This is second down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko back in the saddle. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us last week as a got a much needed three day weekend. Much needed. Spend some time up in our uh, our neighbor there, South Carolina. Nice, nice. A little Lake Kiwi action up near uh, Clemson. Really pretty area of the country, but also yeah. living. Down in South Georgia does not prepare you for hills. And did a little hiking and I was not Oh yeah. Not prepared. Right. Like I hit like a two degree incline and it's over. Yeah. Not understandable. But anyway. I, I like I went to uh oh. I went to North sorry. No, no, go. Uh, Tell uh, us about your hiking adventures. Well this was last year, right? Mm-hmm. I went to I went to North Georgia last year and I remember um you know, I was I was in pretty good shape at that point. Had been working out for a little bit uh, consistently, and everything. And I was like, "Man, I'm going to be ready to go. This is going to be fun." And about 20 minutes in, uh, my like real like 20 minutes in, my buddies yeah. who are in much better shape than me were like, kind of looking back at the trail, like, "I'm going to be all right." I was like, "I mean, I'm going to be fine. It's just okay, going to take so me no, a second. The worst thing is so, you yeah. can't talk. Yeah, no. If you're going uphill about and they're that. trying to carry on a conversation with you and you're just like, yeah, so, you know, it just, whew, it's a heartbeat starts going. Yeah. The best example I have of that, though, is for anybody listening right now, and we, we cover football all around coastal Georgia, but the stadium that takes my breath away the most, and I'm not talking about uh, because it's gorgeous slash beautiful, which, I mean, it's a pretty stadium, but sure. literally takes my breath away the most getting to the press box yeah. is Glenn County Stadium. Because that thing, is, it's not an overly crazy angle that it goes up. There's just a lot of stairs. There's so many. And then you have to take a spiral staircase once you get up yep. to the press box to get to where the press sits. And everyone does the same thing. If you're like sitting up there and somebody walks up, they get off that spiral staircase and they go to talk and say, hey, what's up? But all that comes out is... <sighs> <laughs> Because your heartbeat's just going, man. That's yep. just, we're not we're not used to that. So, oh yeah, Glen County Stadium is rough. But yeah, talking and hiking can get tough, especially when you're used to just flat. Yeah, everywhere. So anyway, re-energized, revamped after a long weekend, ready to rock uh, for football season. Here we do have some news, and I'm sure uh, all of you have heard by now that we're going to dive into here. We're really going to get into it on three and out, but we have an hour here which we hold dear. So the news of the day we're going to touch on, which is obviously coming out of the NFL, uh, it's announced that a six-game suspension uh, has been handed down by the independent arbiter, uh, Sue Robinson, to Deshaun Watson. Six games for Deshaun Watson and a decision that we can compare to a lot of different things. It's the same amount of games uh, that Zeke Elliott got for his sexual misconduct and it's the same amount that Ben Roethlisberger got uh what over a decade ago now yeah wow, wow, for his yeah. misconduct in Milledgeville yeah. right. uh here's where I'm at with this both of those guys got six games for an incident that involved a single female yep yeah and for all three cases no criminal charges were brought but all three got six games Right? Deshaun Watson had over 20. Mm-hmm. They had one each. Right. In terms of six games, Calvin Ridley 
is sitting out this entire year without a paycheck for gambling on his own team. <laughs> I think it was on DraftKings. Yeah. Right? Not breaking laws, but just breaking rules of the NFL. He's out for an entire year. Deshaun Watson is out for six games. And there's a couple of things that I do want to hit on here. This is different than years past because it's not the NFL's decision. Due to the new collective bargaining agreement, Roger Goodell does not have the power to just be judge and jury in terms of determining this anymore. This is, you have to hand it over to an independent arbiter. You present your facts. They hear arguments from both sides, and then they, they determine what the suspension could be, and then both sides can appeal. Players Association says they're not going to appeal it. Sean Watson, okay with serving the six games. Uh, I think because this year he was only signed for a million dollars, because they figured this was going to happen, he's only going to end up losing $333,000, which is like 0.14% of his entire salary or his entire contract that he signed with the Browns. Uh, the NFL, on the other hand, they can appeal as well for more games. Right. I think anything short of a year plus an indefinite suspension is a sham. Yeah. But this isn't the NFL's choice. They have more they can do, but right now this is not the NFL's choice. Right. The other thing I want to hit on, and then I want to get your opinion on the whole thing, and then we'll move on because we're 33 days away uh, from the first full Saturday of college football. Oh, yeah. few things. Number one, can't imagine being a woman. And consuming all of this. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you are in the media right now and your first thought about how you want to present this is how it affects the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> get the hell out of here. Jesus. Yeah. No, no. I, and I'm saying this for a reason. Yeah. There are. Well, that's what kind of. I have consumed today multiple, and I, have, yeah. I don't listen to it, but I've seen multiple tweets and clips from shows. A lot of them around the Cleveland area, which is like, okay, so look at this. Here's how it affects the division race. At least take a day. Yeah. At least take a day before we start just skipping over the legal consequences and getting right into the nitty gritty. Like, <laughs> oh, here we go, football. Yeah, back in between the lines of football again. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. yeah. This is not the time to do that. But the in other this thing, case, the other thing that I did want to say, and then I'm curious your opinion on it, is I, I don't want it lost. And this is not me trying to defend the NFL because they've put themselves in this situation. This is not on Roger Goodell and not on the NFL. This is what was agreed upon in the new collective bargaining agreement, and so that's what we have now. Sure, yeah. So gone are the days of Roger Goodell bringing Pac-Man Jones into his office and suspending him for an entire year. Right. He was supposed to clean up the league. He did that for a long time as a very harsh judge. It's out of his hands now. Mm-hmm. He can argue his side. NFLPA can argue their side. And then you find out what it is. But I think it's a crying shame that he only got six games. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I would fully agree with you there. Uh, forgive me for, for, for kind of being taken aback and just completely astounded that anyone honestly is is automatically going into how this affect the Cleveland Browns and how it affects their their team right now and week 1 like uh, again like that's that's not this is not the time to to be breaking that down um that being said I'm I'm with you I think you said 
a lot of really good stuff, like right there, a lot of really good points that, that you brought up. I mean, first of all, yeah, it's hard not to look at, like I know people say you shouldn't compare whatever, but it's hard not to think of this and automatically think of the Calvin Ridley situation and like, he he was he was gambling like what what to do like it, that that in no way affects negatively gambling a, while he wasn't a part of the team right right yeah it, it, it doesn't affect and betting all the Falcons to win physically or mentally another person like another right. human being let alone multiple um, and you could say what you want about the brand or, or the you know credibility of the league or whatever like I don't care at that point like. The, the fact that he's serving one year and Deshaun Watson is, is about to serve six games is ridiculous. But as you mentioned, gone are the days where we can just point at Roger Goodell and say, you're ridiculous, how could you do this? Um, and I, I think that's what kind of makes it even more obscure and just brain-racking, like mind-racking in, in my brain right now is just, uh, I, I don't know how you look at everything and co- even comparing this to other suspensions in the past and whatnot and think, yeah, this is this is right there. This is what it should be, and it's not like it's one of these situations where it's. Um, it's a, this is a big thing for me too. It's not like one of these situations where it's like, yeah, you know, it, it he's he's basically proven innocent, so we're gonna give him you know six games because he was part of these situations or anything at all, and it's suspected that he might have done these things, so we're gonna give him that. Like, no, th- there were rulings that that I saw and was hearing about. Just earlier today, that there there is a strong belief and and evidence that basically proves that he was in yeah. fact knowledgeable that these women didn't want these yeah no it's actions it, it, being it taken says on in them there that he knowingly did this yeah right right so that's another thing that just completely blows my mind. Well, here's, if and, you want to and hear, multiple people if you as hear well. Directly like, from what Sue Robinson said in the report, she said, "Mr. Watson is hereby suspended for six regular season games without pay. Although this is the most significant punishment ever imposed on an NFL player for allegations of nonviolent sexual conduct. Yeah, the nonviolent part is where the excuse is coming from for only suspending him six games. Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL." Right, that, egregious that, in terms of number of people yeah, that he did it to, right. but because it's nonviolent, it's it's somehow being taken more. Well, I mean, it's it's being taken more. But again, it's like it's it's the double standard, yeah. I guess, to a certain extent of like, yes, it was nonviolent, which I mean, uh, <laughs> yes, obviously, violent cases are are worse, of course, but at the same time, like. Mentally and and physically, I mean that that still harms people. You know, moving forward, like I mean those those these are experiences that, um, you know, they're gonna have to recover in in more ways than physically. So like, that frustrates me and aggravates me to my core. And uh, again, like you said, the, the most when you're talking about how many different women uh, were were involved in this situation, you know, it's the most egregious kind of act. And there, there in are terms of number. civil cases against him. Yeah, so. in terms of number that, that, you know, the NFL has had to deal with. So, and obviously in this situation. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm just taken aback and kind of astounded that, that it is six games, uh, especially in a situation where it was taken out of the NFL's hands, basically, and, and brought to a, 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 you know, different 
legal person to, to figure this out. Um, so I'm somewhat astounded in, in that sense. And, hey, even if you bring up, like, you, you brought up Zeke Elliott and, and Ben Roethlisberger, and there's other situations as well. That, yeah. Like, they got six games, and, you know, whether they were violent or nonviolent or whatever, but at the same time, like, just thinking about how many different women this has affected, well, okay, times it by three. Oh, that seems like 18 games. All right, spend them for a year. Like, I, I, I don't know how yeah. that's not... I think the only way the you get out of this here. with any sort of holding your head up if you're the NFL is a year. Yeah, I mean... A, a, but, a full year. And anybody who wants to say last year should count into this, absolutely not. Sean yeah. Watson didn't sit out last year because of this. He sat out last year because he didn't have a new contract. He didn't want to play for the Texans. Yep. So the uh, hell out of here yeah, for the time serve stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. I, this just... It, it takes you off, but it shouldn't surprise you. Uh, they're going to talk about this more coming up on three and out, but I want to talk college football next. We're just 33 days away from the first full Saturday of college football, so we got a ton to dive into. We're going to swing around the state of Georgia next right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. We are kicking off fall practice all around the state of Georgia, high school, College, hell, even the Falcons are getting after it. Heard Marcus Mariota's looking good. Mm, always. AJ Terrell's beating up on old Drake London. Of course. Got to show the rookie what's up. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Falcons getting their Madden ratings. Yeah. I don't know why they posted that video. Yeah, that's not. That's that not was rough. A lot of sixties and seventies on that one, but <laughs> exciting times around the state because it's, it's August first, brother. Football's in the air. There is college football this month. It's a beautiful thing. This month. Something changes. You can feel it. You can feel it in the air. Yeah. There's an electric buzz around us right now. But that, oh, speaking of buzz, uh, hey, oh. I guess that kind of leads us in. I don't even mean to do that. Wow. Georgia Tech starting their fall practices. And could this be the last time old Jeff Collins says that? Hopefully. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> gum. DJ coming after the. Uh, we'll see. The next head coach, or the current head coach there at uh, Georgia Tech. See, you, you're already thinking about the Listen, next head coach. Here's nine the- and twenty-five <laughs> overall does not do a lot to inspire confidence. No, no, not at all. Do they get? Um, are they getting any extra spring practices this year to try? Well, I don't know because spring's not spring. Over. Goodness gracious! Now everybody, everybody see, gets the I mean. same. It changes the air, man. It messes everybody me all gets up. The same I'm, amount of practices. Can't say anything. Well, then. Yeah, they're probably not going to be doing great then if they if they get the same amount as everybody. I should have gave them a little bit of a buffer. Anyway, sorry. No, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop hating on Georgia Tech now. So nine and twenty-five overall with Jeff Collins at the helm there, and it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because you come in after Paul Johnson in 2019, and you're like, hey, listen, we got to get our linemen in here. We got to get some quarterbacks in here because they were all running the triple option. We got all kinds of stuff that we got to flip over. Defense going to be completely different. Give us some time. And they're like, all right, first year, get schmacked. Lose the Citadel that year. Yeah. Like, not not good stuff happening there at Georgia Tech. Then the second year is 2020. That does make things tougher. Don't know if you're going to play or not. End up playing an ACC-only schedule. Did they play an ACC? Yeah, ACC-only schedule plus one. Ooh. And then I think they ended up canceling the Georgia game. Right. 
Right. Yeah. 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 So they I, ended up being only. If I'm remembering correctly, in ACC, ACC only schedule. I believe. Yeah. And yeah. then last year, you're back, but you know we had to deal with COVID the year before. It really affected recruiting development. Uh, we go three and nine again. I so just, now, I just I don't know. Coming into this year, yeah, yeah, there was thought that at the end of last year, like, hey, listen, you got Jeff Sims back, and say what you will about him, the dude's got a good arm, and he can sure. run. Yeah. Right. So you're like, okay we may be able to compete some more in some games. And they gave some teams some trouble last year. They gave Clemson some trouble, right? They, they, they weren't pushovers in a, in a lot of games. Now, I think the sad of last year is they lost to Georgia and Notre Dame by a combined score of 100 to nothing. That's a problem. Yeah. But that being said, you only scored 24 points a game. And you had Jameer Gibbs. Mm-hmm. This year, same quarterback, Pretty much the same offense back, but you don't have Jameer Gibbs. Right. Big issue there. Yeah. yeah there's going to have to be a lot of growth looking looking for other guys there in that offense and uh, having, having somewhere for Sims to trust. Someone's for Sims to trust. Yeah, but, you're, you're mm, going to have to find someone. Multiple people to fill that void. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Mason's gone as well. You do have Dante Smith back. Uh, he averaged 5.6 a carry. And then you got a transfer from Louisville named Hassan Hall, uh, who's going to be a running back there as well. But it's going to be a rough year, uh, I believe, on offense for Georgia Tech, who starts their season where, PJ? Come on, you know this. The Georgia Dome, right? Well, that Who'll doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no. Mercedes-Benz yeah, yeah, against the Clemson Tigers. Of course I said that. Very true. That's just rude to Jeff Collins, by the way. To start the year against Clemson and yeah, Mercedes-Benz, three yeah. straight three-win seasons, and then you're going to start this year with, uh, oh, hey, by the way, you got to play Clemson in Atlanta. Oh, cool, <laughs> you got no Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, so that thing's going to be about eighty percent orange, right, on Labor Day, so everybody gets to watch you mm-hmm. get shellacked. You're the premier Clemson. game. Regardless yeah. who the quarterback is, that defensive line might be better than what Georgia had last year. Right. I, I know the Georgia fans in the car saying, the hell are you talking about? Go look at Clemson's defensive line because they might have as many draft picks as yeah. Georgia had last year. That's like part, Freaky. part of the thing that I keep thinking about with that with that game specifically, too, is you talk about, you know, hopefully some production and, and some guys popping up on offense for Georgia Tech. But like last year, you go look at that game, why it was so close with Clemson. It's because they, they couldn't get out of their own way on offense, and your defense was holding them down for most of the game. It's not because you were scoring with them all game or anything like that. It wasn't like fourteen to eight at one point or something. Like it, yeah. it was, it was a close game, and it's not because the offenses were successful by any means. So I don't know if you can replicate that, do that again yeah. to start the year against Clemson, especially when one of your major focal points on the offense is gone. So yeah, I do want to ask you this. Do they get? I, I think three wins is going to be hard this year. Like, do they get back to three wins? I'm going to read you their schedule. You start with Clemson on September 5th, Monday night, Labor Day, prime time. Yeah, 8 p.m. Not going to be good. Not going to be great. No. All right. Then you're at home the following week against Western Carolina, but it's a short week. You have five days between games, and Western Carolina is not a bad team. And you are going to be black and blue mm-hmm. following playing Clemson. Like, both sides of the ball, that line of scrimmage is going to annihilate you. 
After that, you're home again. 330 kick against Ole Miss. Yeah, that's... A 10-win team from last year. Right. That, yeah, they lost Matt Corral, but they just brought in Zach Evans from TCU, who was a five-star running back uh, when he was being recruited. Regardless who wins a quarterback, it'll probably be Jackson Dart by this point, another five-star, and some dang good linemen and some good wide receivers. You're one and two if you're lucky. Yeah. After that, you're at UCF. Goodness gracious, yeah. After uh, that, you're at Pitt. Right, right. Those are your first five games. I feel like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough. And UCF, I'll say like UCF isn't, you know, what it was three or four years ago, but it's oh, still. they're good. They're, they're still really dang good. Um, and then, of course, with Pitt, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that is riding on how good uh, Caden Slovis is in that system. Then again, probably better than Jordan, not probably, better than Georgia Tech on a, on a so-so day. So, yeah, no, I, I think you're looking at that, uh, just those open in five games. You're, you're staring down one and four really quickly. Maybe if you upset one of them, two and three. But oh, this is rough, man. Uh, especially, like, is this the year finally? You, you went through kind of that history yeah. of Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins' history there, and it seems like every year there's just another reason who's, like, begging for more time. Uh, yeah, but well, we just did this happen. We couldn't really control it. Well, we had to make this transition or whatever. When you start your career at, at or your time at a school yeah. by already asking for more time, basically, and let's be real, that's yeah. what was happening. He's like, listen, I'm, we're going to have to transition. It's going to take some time. I'm not hearing as much for the culture. Like, yeah, which is just gimmicky in the first place. So but, like, I don't know. It doesn't put a lot of belief in me. Is this the year maybe? This is the one thing that I, I feel like really – could save his job, maybe, even if you start one and four. Some identity, like yeah, I feel like zero. that's been such a big question mark for now for three years. I, I think the only way you retain your job is okay. So let let's finish the schedule and then we'll talk about retaining yeah, your job. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So you're probably one and four at this point, and then your next set is your home against Duke, which you you can win that football game. Duke's not great, right? Yeah. New coach over there. And, and they just don't have the players. Is that primetime Saturday, 8 o'clock? That's TBA. Uh, <laughs> after Duke, that, you're Duke hosting Virginia. We don't know what we're going to see out of Virginia. Tony Elliott, uh, former Clemson offensive coordinator, now the head coach up there after Bronco Mendenhall retired. That one's 7.30 on ESPN. After that, you're at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, home against Miami, at North Carolina, and at Georgia to finish the season. Wow. They, they did not get any... Uh, I'm struggling yeah. to find three wins there. Like I said, Duke probably, so there's two, but then Virginia at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, Miami at North Carolina, at Georgia? Yeah, you're, you're going to need some definite upsets just to get to three games. So here's how I think he maybe keeps his job. You win one of those, maybe North Carolina has a weird day, or Florida State or Virginia Tech has a weird day. You win one of those, you get back to three wins, and then you're you have a pulse against Georgia. Like you 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 make them <laughs> mad. Cuz here's what killed me last year was Yeah. And I don't blame the kids at all for this because when you walk out in your home uniforms and you look up into the stands and you're just like did we get teleported to Sanford Stadium? Right. That just it immediately takes the air out of you. Mhm. And there was like you said no identity with what they even wanted to try to do. 
Like UAB put up more of a fight against Georgia than Georgia Tech did. UAB does not have better players than Georgia Tech. Right. Right? Absolutely, yeah. It's coaching. So put up a fight. Mm-hmm. At least make Georgia mad for a couple of quarters. Right. And then if you get steamrolled by 30, it is what it is. But 40 to 10 looks a whole lot better than 52 to nothing. Yeah. Like at least have a pulse going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, I watched the second half of that game. Right. Yeah. Now, I, I thought yeah. at one point in the second quarter, hey, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to keep it here. Not, that's uh, 35 to nothing already. And I hate this too yeah. because Georgia Tech's one of those teams where college football's better when they're good. For sure. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Like, it's such a big city, and like, you're the school of Atlanta. Having a game on ESPN, I'm not saying you have to be undefeated, but if you could be six and two going into a game where you're hosting Miami in Atlanta, or would you be, you'd be eight and two at that point? Yeah. I just think if they, if they actually had a good team. And you're eight and two, not really in it for the college football playoff anymore, but you could still potentially be fighting for the Orange Bowl if somebody from the ACC makes it into the college football playoff. You're eight and two. Miami's coming into Bobby Dodd Stadium. That's on ESPN. That's going to be a primetime game. Like, that's college football's better. Yeah. But right now, Georgia Tech's a directional school, basically. You put them on the schedule, you know you're going to smack them. You're going to be able to get some playing time for some guys and move on to the next game. Yeah, like they are, they are a bye week for Georgia ahead of the SEC championship, right? <laughs> right, now. right. It's it's not something you have to think about very much, uh, especially if you're Georgia preparing for them. No, you're right. There's so many great things about Georgia Tech in general, especially like when they're good. I mean, and we don't. That's the sad part to me is like, which I, I saw you like just just sitting there like watching your body language, just when it when it got in your mind, like it, it's it's a dang bummer because like mm-hmm. it's a it's a team and a program that. You love seeing them being able to compete. You like I love being able to have. That's why I joke about that that Duke Georgia Tech game in prime time or whatever. But yeah. like, it, you, on a Saturday night, be a like kick. yeah, like on a Saturday night, the sun's starting to go down. You have seven thirty game in this Georgia yeah. Tech, who's five and one or whatever, and like just like you have the the skyline in the background in the stadium. You have the entrance with the car and whatnot coming yeah. out. I mean, the, the, the Ram history. Red. Yeah, yeah, the history of, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. whatever. Uh, you have the history just of, you know, what, what that school has been able to do in the past and the success they've had and whatnot. And it's Bobby Dodd Stadium. I mean, it's a, it's a <clears throat> insanely important person in, in football history as well. It's just like there's yeah. so many different things that make Georgia Tech such a unique and, and really cool program to have be good and have they do, they not deserve, be a walkover. They deserve a lot better than what they're getting right now. They the, deserve the, direction, and I, I think that's I, the main I thing I know a lot of me. people blame the fan base. I never do that. Like I'm never going to blame Braves fans for not showing up and selling out a stadium when the team's like 20 and 35. Yeah, I'm so, Right, yeah, and they haven't yeah. really done anything. Look what happens when you have a winning team. People show up mm-hmm. to actually watch a quality thing. So I don't blame Georgia Tech fans. For what happened last year in clean old fashioned hate, I don't blame him. Why would you go and watch a game where you know you're going to get annihilated? And I know I've made this comparison before, but you can flip that around with the Iron Bowl, right? Where it's in Auburn last year. Alabama's the best team in the country. There's no reason why, as an Auburn fan with TJ Finley as quarterback, you don't even know what your wide receivers' names are. You should even expect to be in that game. Yeah, why not sell my tickets to Alabama fans? It's because you know, in the history of this, 
you show up for the Iron Bowl, records don't matter. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance you get blown out? Absolutely. Is there a chance you make it a wild, weird game? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. You had to go to multiple overtimes to get that thing figured out until you went to the two-point shoot-off. So it's one side of it is a fan base that no matter what, they know their team will at least fight. Yeah. Right now, Georgia Tech fans don't know that. Right. Agreed. It, it kind of looks like a spring game every time that team goes out there because they have no direction. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Why would you spend money on that? So I don't blame the Georgia Tech fan base, but I do blame the administration because after that, I don't think there's any coming back as yeah. a head coach. Your fan base has given up on that team. Right. There's no coming back. There's they no they, they express that. that. Yeah. yeah. There, there's no fighting that. So uh, they've got a long road ahead of them, and this schedule does not help them out whatsoever. Some some brighter days ahead potentially for a team just down the road. Just hop on 75 South. Then you stop off on 16. Get on down to Statesboro. Get on down to Statesboro. There you go. Clay Helton and them boys also starting their fall practice. Maybe not that much different of a record, but definitely a different vibe than what you're getting out of Atlanta. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some Georgia Southern because this team has a tough schedule as well. Probably won't see what you want to see in the win-loss columns, but I do think this team is going to be entertaining. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Georgia Southern, also a position group for Georgia that I think is going to be fascinating to watch in 2022. We're all that coming next right here on ESPN Radio. 2nd down on ESPN Radio presented to you by the Uniform Source. Georgia Southern set to kick off their fall camp coming up tomorrow afternoon, August 2nd, first practice of the preseason camp for first, or I should say they're reporting tomorrow. First practice, I believe, will be on Wednesday. But, you know, Eagles reporting. They're flying in. Flying in. (laughs) Sorry. Eagles sighting there in Paulson. Uh, This week's practice (laughs) schedule looks like the following. Uh, They're going to go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All of them are going to start at 10.05 a.m. at Paulson Stadium uh, and go for a couple hours there. And they're going to hold... Two scrimmages, August 13th at Paulson and the second on August 20th. And I think this is a cool move here uh, from the program. They're going to hold their second scrimmage at Memorial Stadium. How about that? Wow. I mean, it makes sense to me. Man, a yeah. whole lot of Eagle alumnus there uh, in Savannah. Be cool to get to come out there and watch what I think might not be a very good team this year. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Not be a very good team this year in terms of record, but they are going to be an entertaining team to watch. Uh, I think we pretty much all know Kyle Van Treese looks like he's going to be the guy. He's kind of the Stetson Bennett of Georgia Southern in terms of dude's been there, or not there, but been in college football for a long, long time. <laughs> I think PJ might have still been in high school uh, when Kyle Van Treese started playing. I'd like to say that's not that long ago, but. Dude, I, this is yeah. his sixth year. Yeah, no, of that's college rough. football. <laughs> that's that's a long time. So there <laughs> will be he will have teammates on his team mm-hmm. that were in middle school. Yeah, yeah. You're throwing the football to players who were in middle school when he was playing college football. You're talking about two waves of if if you're thinking of like really really good college football players, two waves of three year mm-hmm. guys to be getting into college football. Start, get drafted, yeah. and move on. He's had two waves of that. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. It should be fun. I mean, Bo Johnson's back, uh, big time. 
player for them. Uh, he's going to be, I, I want to say, one of the focal points early in the season. I had three touchdowns last year and an offense that really didn't throw the football a whole lot. Now, I, if I had to guess, 60-40 to 70-30 split throwing to running, if right. I had to guess. And they've got some really good young guys that they've brought in, but you're probably going to see the vets early. But, I mean, in your mind, if you're a Georgia Southern fan, and I'd be interested to get Georgia Southern fans' opinions. You can tweet at us at ESPN Coastal or call in 912-342-7184. You're, you're probably not going bowling this year. I think that's ceiling. Winning six games and going bowling is ceiling. It's probably that, not yeah. happening, right? but you're not going to lose every game. Yeah. So I think it's more tangible, mm-hmm. the results that you're trying to see. And I think what you said about Georgia Tech and what they have lacked so far is what you want to see in the first year under Clay Helton, which is an identity. Yeah. And I will say, it was tough to find an identity with the last few head coaches at Georgia Southern. I know Chad Lunsford kind of brought back the triple option attack that Georgia Southern fans loved, but it was different. And it seemed year after year, week after week, it was kind of tweaked a little bit Mm -hmm. versus having that identity. So like in your mind, outside of a record, what should be the expectations for Clay Helton in year one? Well, what I really want to see, like you said, that there have been, especially, it's interesting. Like, I, I know a lot of people automatically go to offense with, with Georgia Southern and, and, you know, the historic option attack, whether it be, you know, out of the shotgun, under center, all this different, you're always going to be running the option, right? Well, yeah. That is kind of the interesting thing to me uh, about this year is, and the expectation-wise, what, what I think, what I would deem to be a success is by those last four or five games of the season, if you can look out there, and I, I know this is you know bringing back up a word we already said last segment, but if, if you can not only have an identity, but you feel like this offense feels comfortable with what they're doing and I know a lot of people say, well, man, that, that's, that should be you know game two or three. When you make this drastic of a change, a lot of times, yeah, it can, it can take a little bit. So, I don't know. I, I'd love to see you know game seven, eight. I think it'd be incredible if this offense is not only putting up points, yeah. but like because we've seen putting up points in odd ways, right? And putting up points where everything looks uncomfortable, but hey, you get it done. Yeah. Right? Like, if we can have this offense, if we can see, excuse me, this offense for, for Georgia Southern, you know, be humming and feel comfortable and have explosive plays and, and be able to get it in and out of the plays and whatnot quickly, I think that would be a, a huge success, um, not only for the team, but, but especially for the offense there. But, um, yeah, just a, a clear and concise identity, feel for this team, especially for the offense, and compete uh, every single week, whether that – Schedule whether that record at the end of the year is three and nine or or you know six and six and you're going bowling or hell you 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 know have an incredible year and go nine to three ten and two like wanted to for sure feel, see an identity feel good about it and and feel comfortable uh, especially with that offense and with the transition to new coaches and new systems uh, to me that yeah. would be a success of course you talk about the fans in certain places, kind of quitting on the team and, and not only vocally, but also by example saying, Hey, we're kind of done with this. Um, 
want to see the opposite, obviously, from from Georgia Tech. And you, I, I mean, Georgia Southern. Excuse yeah, me. You, you never, know you're going to get that. that from the fan base. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you know you're going to get that in Paulson. They, so. uh, they're always going to show up and pack out Paulson. Uh, yeah. One player I'd say watch out for this year: Terrence Gibbs, freshman running back coming in, and this was the big recruiting win for Clay Helton in year one, coming in and stealing this guy from the state of Florida, right? He's an ESPN 300 recruit. Uh, he was the number 14 running back per ESPN in the country. Yeah. And he <laughs> held offers from Auburn, LSU, Georgia, Florida. Like, this is a legit dude mm-hmm. coming in to play running back for you, and I expect him to be featured early and often. And that shows you a couple of things. With Clay Helton running the style of offense that he is, you're going to win some of these recruiting battles yeah. because he has a track record. Say what you will about his time uh, there at the end at USC, but dude has a track record of developing NFL players, Yep, offensively and defensively, and from Florida, so knows this area of the country very well, and it worked out in year one. So Gibbs is going to be a lot of fun to watch in year one, especially inside of this offense. A uh, quick rundown of their schedule real quick. You start week one with a game you should win. Morgan State at home. Sure. After that, the schedule gets rough. September 10th, you're at Nebraska. After that, you're at UAB. It's going to take a lot to win either one of those games. I would say you got a better chance of beating Nebraska than UAB because the Blazers are a good football program. Yeah. Right? Yeah. After that, you're home against Ball State. You should win that football game. And here's where the schedule gets interesting because you're diving into the New York, New Look Sun Belt. You're at Coastal Carolina and at Georgia State in back-to-back weeks. That's Two tough. teams that have had your number. That's right? Tough. After that, some teams that you haven't seen before, you're home against James Madison, and then you're at Old Dominion in Virginia. Interesting. Yeah. Finish out the season with a four-game stretch of home against South Alabama at Louisiana, which we don't know what they're going to look like, but I'm assuming it's going to look pretty dang good, mm-hmm. even though Billy Napier is now in Florida. They're not going to fall yeah. off completely in one year. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. then you finish the season by hosting Marshall, who's going to be a good football team, and hosting App State. Yeah, no, there, there's no gimmies in there for sure. I think six wins is a huge win. Yeah. And it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? You take care of business against Morgan State and Ball State, then I need four more. If you can give me a James Madison and Old Dominion, beat a South Alabama, and then you just need one of the rest of them, sure. you're going bowling. Yeah. I think that'd be a huge win in year one there for Clay Helton. So exciting stuff. Uh, again, got a scrimmage coming up on the 13th inside Paulson Stadium. After that, the 20th. At Memorial Stadium in Savannah. So a lot of cool stuff happening with the Georgia Southern program. I'm excited for this year, man. Don't look at the record. Watch this team. See how they progress through the year and if they're playing competitive, sound football because I think this could be really, really fun with some of the players that they have up there. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Get you ready for three and out, which will truly be three and out next right here on ESPN Radio. Woo! Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. Ben Troop, Kevin Thomas, and B.J. Bennett. How about that? B.J. Bennett making his triumphant return to three and out after a little hiatus there. Let's go. I think a well-deserved one. Uh, absolutely. My man's been doing radio as long as Kyle Van Trees has been playing quarterback in college football. <laughs> and longer. Maybe a little I mean, longer. That, yeah, I mean, that, that's something to say right there. I think if you put... Stetson Bennett's career and old Kyle's career together, yeah. still not as long as B.J. Bennett's been a part of three and out. So he makes there his triumphant return next, just in time 
uh, for football season. Excited to have the gang back together. Excited for this college football season because we have a ton of fun content coming your way. Make sure you follow all of our pages at ESPN Coastal on Twitter, at ESPN Coastal on Instagram. You can follow the ESPN Savannah Facebook page and the ESPN Coastal Facebook page. So we got you covered from all angles. And, of course, make sure you follow the ESPN Coastal YouTube. You can watch us there daily. Mm-hmm. See PJ's beautiful face. Hey, now. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the screen. I see two faces. Only one of them has an immaculate beard like yours. So there are so many different ways that you can consume our content. You can always catch all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate everyone liking and subscribing and reviewing all of those. Three and out coming up next, as I mentioned, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas. Glad Rain's to have you back. Today. Yeah. We'll catch up with everyone tomorrow.